This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live as always from the 237 Roof Studios. Hopefully you're having a great day. Saturday morning so far, and if you're a Pelicans fan, you are just over the moon enjoying what's going on with this team, with this franchise, with the pick of Zion Williamson, which is why the big poll question of the day is without a doubt all about the Pelicans. Give us your grade for the Pelicans draft. It's just that simple. I am making it incredibly easy, so hopefully you can check that out right now on 1037thegame.com, putting it up on the Twitter sphere as well in just a moment. So, hey, guess what? The phone lines are open as well. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. That's the place to be if you want to talk about anything that's going to be on tap this weekend because that's what the show is all about. It's about you it's about me, and it's about the guests that we have on the show. I'll give you the deets on that in just a little bit, because trust me, it's going to be a pretty fun weekend. It seems like we're starting to get into the thick of the dog days of summer, but I mean, this is this is a very, very fairly large size but. I feel like this is me saying right now that the way things are this weekend, it's not quite as, you know, dog days of summer. You just got to dig a little bit deeper. You have the big three, of course. That's going on tonight. But, of course, there's other things going on. There's some really good baseball going on. Marquee matchups all the way around this weekend. You got the Women's World Cup going on. If you're a fan of the USA, you're looking forward to that. They're in the round of 16. They're going to wind up looking really good heading into it. I've enjoyed what I've seen so far from the Women's World Cup. Very competitive, very entertaining. The Gold Cup going on right now. If you're a fan of men's soccer, they they want up looking pretty good to start things off in the Gold Cup. Mind you, I feel like the opponents they played a little bit less than. But, of course, you know, I'm talking about all this. I might as well just talk about what's causing all this, why I'm live from the 237 Roof Studios. And we do something we do every single Saturday morning to start off the show. And that's to give you an idea of what's on tap heading into your weekend. And trust me, we, we got a little extra bells and whistles here. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. Oh, it's so good to hear the new kind of remixed version of our in, of our um, What's on Tap intro. The gimmick works extremely well, so let's start things off looking. Obviously, I think at the Astros and the Yankees. Astros 
currently in the middle of a six-game skid. As I mentioned, the two-minute drill, the longest skid the Astros have had since 2015. Yes, you heard me right. Four years ago, that was the last time they had a six-game losing streak. That is nothing short of phenomenal. But, of course, a lot of other things to talk about. And it's interesting how much this offense has lost kind of that firepower. Because they've, it's been their calling card for a long time. And you look at it like recent weeks before. You look at the series against Toronto. It felt like, you know, this team was really starting to hit their stride offensively. And they were going to be absolute monsters. But things wound up turning around as of late. It's just it's disappointing to see what's going on with this franchise after kind of the hot start they had. And more importantly, the way things were going, at least from my perspective, because that just it, it's just weird to see a team get completely hosed the way that they did in that matchup between the Astros and the Yankees, and they've just gotten completely wrecked. You can also say a lot of it has to do with the fact you had a underwhelming performance in Cincinnati against a Reds team that actually doesn't look as bad as you might think, at least at first glance. A lot of things going on with that franchise. I think you just got to... Kind of hope, hope for the best with the Yankee, with the Astros, as they get ready for another matchup. Aaron Judge, Jose Altuve, both back on the DL. That makes this series a lot more entertaining. But I got to say, the Bronx Bombers are showing why they've earned that nickname, that notoriety, is because of the fact they just absolutely have knocked the cover off the ball the last two days. With six home runs, Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve haven't really done much, but it's been more about Gliber Torres. Gary Sanchez in the newest acquisition for the Yankees, and that is Edwin Encarnacion. Encarnacion! 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 What amazing stuff right there. It just... Edwin Encarnacion has been an absolute beast for the team all, like, the last week since he got traded over there. He's been looking good. But I hope the Astros can bounce back before returning home because I don't think you want to wind up returning home after that kind of performance that you've had the last couple days. It's definitely not what you want to come home to, and everybody's just immediately probably going to bombard them with everything imaginable. Meanwhile, you know, the other thing going on, I was talking about the Women's World Cup. The group of 16 is about to get started in, I'd say, about 20 minutes. Let's, just, let's go with about 20 minutes from right now, and that is the group of 16. We're finally past all these group play games. Thankfully, I didn't see any ties because that would have been, that would have frustrated me, but it really shows how much talent there is around the world in the Women's World Cup because they, they just look really good, especially the U.S., but we're going to get things started. Germany and Nigeria at 10.30. The Norway and Australia at 2 o'clock. So kind of just make sure you keep tabs on that while things are going on with the Women's World Cup in France. Of course, everyone's looking forward to Spain-USA. Because it's America. We can't not root for USA against Spain. But I'll say this. Spain, this is their second ever Women's World Cup. But don't be surprised that they give... US of A a hard time on Monday when these two teams face off because you just look at the observations that I've made is Spain has been a lot more possession oriented this go round they started to take a lot of emulation from the male team 
the Spaniards. And it's paid off quite well. They've looked really good in the tournament after kind of way they were the last time around where it was one, one draw and two losses in group play, not making it to the round of 16. I think this is a huge step in the right direction for them. And they can wind up giving them a lot of hell because I feel like the, the Team USA, they're a team that loves to control the possession, but also they love to score quickly. And if you can wind up cutting it down to half half pitch, if you will, you know, because I saw that on Sunday when I when I saw them play in um, uh, against Chile. Against Chile, they, they were dominant throughout, largely because they kept things within their side of the pitch. They kept it within the attacking third. They kept control of it to where they could score and take the opportunities away from Chile. I think Spain, Spain is a team that loves to keep the possession. They're definitely going to be a lot more of a methodical team. Think about it like a SEC team who loves to run, a run-heavy offense. They eat up clock. They salt it away. This is going to be something that the, the Team USA probably has scouted because they played them before the tournament because they felt like they were going to wind up being the Spaniards were going to be a lot better than last year. That's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on on Monday at 11 a.m. when you see the Women's World Cup, see the U.S. Women's National Team take on Spain. I mean, I guess that that's going to be an intriguing one. Say the least, Sunday's kind of meh. You got France, Brazil, but Monday is what everybody's looking forward to. Because it could go either way. I'm leaning towards USA winning, but I wouldn't be surprised if Spain could pull off the upset. And I'm looking forward to that. Also, I got to say, I am totally looking forward to the future of the New Orleans Pelicans. And it has to be, without a doubt, the Zion era. Has begun to know the other thing that's on tap this weekend and the next like several weekends and months and years is the talk about Zion Williamson. The Zion Williamson era has begun in New Orleans at long last. Let the good times roll, baby. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what's going to happen with this franchise with Zion Williamson at the helm. Can he do what many expected him to do? Can he be? that savior of this franchise. Can he be the man that's going to turn things around? I'm not necessarily sure. And here's a big reason why is because of what David Griffin said on Thursday and kind of reiterated on Friday about whose team this really is. And I feel like this is the most intriguing part of all this. This is Drew Holiday's team. And when we made the team, the trade that we made, um, or are working to complete, rather, um, with a certain player who used to be here with Drew. Um, we were very cognizant of the fact that this is Drew Holiday's team. And from the moment I got here on the ground, the very first conversation I had with him, I challenged him, and he has responded to it every step along the way. Again, it's such I've played this soundbite numerous times, and it intrigues me every single time. And I'll tell you why. It's largely because I don't know what this means for the future of the franchise. What this means, because you're not putting everything, all the chips in the table. It's showing that David Griffin knows that a young pup cannot be the face of the franchise. It is extremely difficult to see this guy 
as the face of the franchise like in terms of leadership. Drew Holiday has to be the leader of this franchise. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Zion Williamson is going to be the face, but Drew Holiday is the one kind of behind the scenes uh, making sure this franchise wins ball games. Because guess what? Zion Williamson don't give a damn about stats. He gives all the dams about winning, getting W's. Just like every other professional athlete today, they care about winning. They care about championships. That's part of their legacy. Ken talked about it a while back about legacy is championships. I have to agree with him, especially in the NBA. That's what's going to matter, and I feel like a guy like Zion Williamson, who's used to winning and winning consistently, especially at Duke, I think this guy is going to be an absolute stud, and it's not his team right now. And I'll dive into a lot of that later on in the show because it's such an interesting topic about this being Drew Holiday's team instead of it being, you know, a LeBron James team. Because you will remember, I think everybody will remember 2003, where they were when LeBron James was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it felt like immediately with him being such a generational talent straight out of high school, he was given the keys to the car. Lo and behold, 10 years, actually no, 16 years later, we have another guy in Zion Williamson who is a generational talent. Everybody was comparing, was saying, "Oh, hey, this is the like most notable player to come out the to come out of this come out of the draft since LeBron since Anthony Davis." LeBron James is probably the more apropos one because I feel like Zion is a much more generational talent than Anthony Davis, and of course, that's considering the fact that he has become incredibly paper thin, soft over the course of his career with the Pels. I think that's something interesting, and it's something you need to keep an eye on over the next few months. But, of course, a lot more things worth talking about. I'll kind of get some thought process on a lot of other things. But one thing I'm going to talk about is continuing that Pelicans conversation at 1030 with David Grubb of Crescent City Sports. We'll talk about that, and who knows what else we'll wind up getting into. And then at 1130, a little bit of a different perspective of things because we, we were talking to Astros earlier. We had somebody on who covers the New York Yankees. My guy, JJ from the Bronx, host of the George's Box podcast, also does some stuff for Bronx print stripes. This man knows what he's doing. Can't wait to talk to him about the Yankees, what they've been able to do as of late. And just looking at, looking at that team, it feels like they are starting to become that favorite to wind up Probably get, probably winning the AL pennant, and that's a weird thing to say about a month ago. But of course, we got to take a quick commercial break because we got we got to make some room here to kind of fill in some more spots. Hey, why not just keep it rolling on in just a little bit? Looks like I got to call in the Arco Equipment Hotline. See if that person can just hang tight. We'll have them on to start off segment two right here on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com live from the 237 Roof Studios. And kind of a quick aside here. During the commercial break, I had somebody call in 
and want to know what the Pelicans did with their two draft picks. Because apparently, these people do not have, this person does not have Google. This is a person who calls in all the time and wants to ask all these questions, just needs to get a, get a computer, get a smartphone, and figure out how to use it. Hit up the Google machine, you'll be able to answer this question. But also, they actually had one second-round pick because they traded it, one second-round pick, they traded it on the day of the NBA draft. And it's a whole thing. They also wound up having one of those trades they sent off to the Golden State Warriors. It's a weird thing. The NBA tra- the NBA draft is such a weird place to be in. But, of course, you know, here's what happened with the Pelicans outside of Zion Williamson. Everybody's talking about Zion Williamson. There's one of the players out there that are very much intriguing. Jackson Hayes, the number eight pick out of Texas, a center, definitely a, a lanky guy, 6'11", 220 pounds, this is part of that Atlanta Hawks trade to get rid of all that money that you were spending on Solomon Hill, which was a huge mistake. Jackson Hayes is going to be a guy I feel like could be kind of seasoned a little bit. He's going to want to get plenty of playing time in 2019-2020 season, but he's just getting ready because it's all about what happens with Jaleel Okafor. You, signed, you picked up his option for the 2019-2020 season. You add the fact you have now another center. He's another guy. He's a young he's a young pup, and you can have him be rotational. He'd be more of your he'd be adding depth to that position. That way you don't have to have Jaleel Okafor out there for 20, 30 minutes a game. Or 25, 30 minutes a game, I should say. And then you've got Jackson Hayes. He could he's definitely a highly offensive guy. He's a guy who could take care of business. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with the Pelicans, with this fast-paced offense. That's a lot of young guys, and that's a huge step in the right direction for the Pels. Nickel Alexander Walker out of Virginia Tech is who they picked up with the 17th pick that was also part of the Atlanta Hawks pick, which was absolutely huge. And the shooting guard out of Virginia Tech, sophomore, not exactly an absolute monster. He's going to be a player that's going to be, again, Added depth. He'll be the first round pick. He'll get some playing time, but he'll be a guy to help keep people in rotation to where you're not having to have guys play these 35, 40 minute games, barring, you know, anything out of the ordinary. You can have these guys ready to go and spend time with them and develop their talents. That way, they're not running themselves ragged, especially with. Alvin Gentry's preference of having a fast-paced offense and a high-energy, high-octane offense. I think that's huge. And then the final pick they actually wound up getting is Marcos Luzada Silva out of Brazil. He's part of that Atlanta trade as well. Of course, they wound up trading one, I know that, to the Golden State Warriors, but this wasn't one of them. And the Pelicans fans in Brazil were litty. And, of course, there actually are Pelicans fans in Brazil. There's a whole Twitter account dedicated to it, which I found interesting. He's a guy I just don't know a whole lot about, so I'm just going to leave him aside. But I think he could be something really good. And he's going to be something to just keep an eye on, likely going to be in the G League for much of his first season. I would not be surprised. Now, does he deserve that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's up to you. But I think he's going to be a guy just to keep an eye on. And that was the one and only pick the Pelicans had in the second round, I believe one of them that they had was to Golden was sent to Golden State. That was Alan Smalajic. I'm probably mispronouncing that. 
out of Serbia. That was actually part of the proposed trade with New Orleans. And also they wound up getting Eric Pascal out of Villanova for what it's worth. But who cares? It is the Golden State Warriors who have plenty of talent to kind of work around anyways. But of course... The Arco Equipment Hotline, it's open for just about another minute or so, 337-706-0111, before we get to David Grubb talking New Orleans Pelicans. And we got the poll question up right now. Give us your grade on the NBA draft. Grade it out for me. Let me know what you think about what's going on with the New Orleans Pelicans and what do you th- how do you think they did? Because I think this is probably something that can wind up getting a lot of conversation a lot of run as it were is where do you how do you think they wound up doing yes i feel like they wound up doing quite well when you just look at everything that the pelicans have done throughout the season is saying hey like we've actually done a lot better because of the fact that they have like pretty much put together everything they have just they've gotten it done it's it's impressive to see what this franchise has been able to do over the last, you know, couple of weeks because you traded Anthony Davis right after we went off air on Saturday and then you have this happen. This is going to be absolutely huge to see what happens next for the future of the franchise to have the Pelicans ready to go and you move forward with a guy like Anthony Davis without Anthony Davis, with Zion Williamson, with all these young talents. It's going to be fun. And of course, everybody's kind of in agreement it is 100% a, a rating. So I think everybody's in agreement. This was absolutely crushing it all the way around. Gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. We're definitely not trying to find a balance. This should be played at high volume. Preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here in Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com, hour number two of two right here. We're getting jump started right now. 337-706-0111 is the number to call me up. And if you want to talk about whatever is on your mind, trust me, you want to get in on the action and trust me, we're going to have a lot of fun here on 103.7 The Game over the next, let's say, hour or so. Give or take a couple of minutes. And I'm loving it. Live inside the 237 Roof Studios, we got currently the Women's World Cup going on. Round of 16, Germany, Nigeria. I saw last I checked, Germany had the lead. Meanwhile, I think everybody later today, especially if you're a fan of soccer, is what's going on with USA taking on Trinidad and Tobago 
in the Gold Cup match day two of two of three actually because you'll have one more go round and on Wednesday USA will wrap up with Panama before likely going into the round of sixteen and hopefully they can wind up getting past Trinidad and Tobago because I think they want to trip them up the last go round in the Gold Cup and that's a big reason why they just weren't able to get in the World Cup last go round which underwhelmed a lot of people I feel like. They had a solid chance to do so, but they just could not get over the hump, and hopefully we see this team start to kind of get back into the World Cup because after being away from it for a year, it is disappointing, and not many people are going to pay attention to it. And It was just such a bad bad look for Fox to have it but not actually be able to air a single bit of it because of the fact that you had you know the, the whole situation with the Without it, without without whenever whenever you don't have a soccer team playing, it's definitely a tough break for them. But like I said, currently, yeah, two nothing, two nothing right now. They had a goal in the twenty sixth minute in Grenoble with Sarah Daybritz scoring on a penalty. Now you actually have a, the first yellow card at the thirty first minute right now. Uh, team USA will be playing on Monday, so make sure you kind of keep tabs on that if you're if we're going to talk about the world. Of soccer, of course, I'm not going to talk quite as much about it because guess what? I know nobody really kind of gives a you-know-what about it. But I want to talk about some of the other things that happened over the last week, and that is definitely the NBA draft is what, is what everybody's talking about. Of course, we can talk about Zion Williams until the cows come home and 337-706-0111 if you want to get on on that. Currently, everybody is giving it an A grade for the New Orleans Pelicans and their 2019 NBA draft. Definitely think it was a great success, so I think the Acadian area is in agreement. But I give my full thoughts on the future of the Pelicans franchise because I feel like it's just interesting conversation, conversational piece. But I have to say, there's a lot of other things that were intriguing, and one of those was some of the draft stuff. And I, I got to give credit to the Florida Network. I don't do it enough, largely because sometimes they just don't deserve it. But I feel like. They definitely deserve it for what they did with their present overall presentation. It was really cool. Everything else, everything was on point. But it was those interviews right after. I feel like a lot of the time you don't get these kind of in depth like conversations, and emotion is not really shown by some of the players. I mean, there was tons of emotion when you heard Zion Williamson at the podium. You could tell from the second he was up there, and he realized he had his mom right there. It's amazing. It's like the human condition is crazy. It's just like his reaction to everything. I'm gonna play it for you right now because he just, he can just tell the second he it hits him, he's like, "Oh man, I am the number one pick in the NBA draft. This is what I worked for my whole life. I didn't realize I'd be in this position. I didn't think I'd be in this position. My mom sacrificed a lot for me. I, w- I wouldn't be here without my mom. She did she did everything for me. I just want to thank her." And that's it's simply put outstanding with him. And then he was talking about his mom, who definitely sacrificed a lot and was actually coached him growing up. Probably a big reason why that he is the way that he is and is great. He's, the dude just has charisma for days. She put her dreams aside for mine. She always looked. She always looked out for her, the family, friends, and herself. And that's just amazing just to hear him talk about that. And, you know, you hear him talk about his mother a lot and the respect that he has for her 
and all the things that she sacrificed for him. It's amazing. Just to, like, in that entire interview, along with like the other top three guys, John Morant, Cam, uh, not Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and it was just amazing just to hear that whole conversation, and <laughs> it was great. Just, like, you get to see raw emotion. You had to see these guys truly be like themselves. It's not as much like, oh, hey, you know, them being very much coached, being very generic when you compare it to what you've seen in the past, say, at like the NFL draft or the MLB draft. You don't know, really hear from them that much, mind you. It's only on the MLB network, so not necessarily like as big of a deal. It's definitely a whole complicated process because of the fact it's like three days and you go through like 2,000 picks, which is dumb, but whatever. But another big highlight for me was Kobe White, who is now probably my favorite non-Pelican player, largely because of his reaction to his teammate. Cam Johnson getting drafted. It's like a kid at Christmas. I'm going to let you hear this right now. Y'all know Cam. You don't know how hard Cam worked. And, you know, it's a lot of people that doubt him. But, wow, I'm just, bro, it's such a, that's crazy, bro. I'm so happy for him right now. Y'all don't understand how happy I am for Cam because he he proved it night in, night out that he deserves to be, you know, in the conversation for a lottery pick, man. He shot the ball like anyone I've never seen before in my life or played with. And it's amazing. I mean, that was just a short version of both, the long version in a moment because it is, I guess, the entire, like, exchange with him in the media was outstanding, and I just I just love the, the youthful reaction to it. And I'm going to play the full bit right now. Cameron Johnson just went uh, 11th. How do you react to that news? He went what? 11th Cam in the draft. Cam 11th. Yep. It's right on the screen right there. Wow. Wow, bro. That's crazy. That's so love, bro. Because y'all, if y'all know Cam, you don't know how hard Cam worked. And, you know, it's a lot of people that doubt him. But, wow, I'm just, bro, it's such a – that's crazy, bro. I'm so happy for him right now. Y'all don't understand how happy I am for Cam. It's <laughs> like, is the – it's the mo like he just like immediately just got into shock. He's like, Cam did what? And it's like it was great. Like go watch the video if you have a chance. This is like the genuine reaction of this guy who is like best friends with his teammate and just the respect they have because he's like kind of just starts squinting at the TV. <laughs> it's hilarious. It, like I found it hilarious. It was just amazing his reaction. It was completely genuine, and you see these guys, it feels like a lot of them are just genuinely happy for the other guy's success, and you've seen that, and it's just great, because guess what that does? That winds up making the game a lot more entertaining, especially it's not about, oh, hey, like I want to play with my friends. It's, oh, hey, I'm playing with my friends, but they're uh, playing against me. It's all about respect and all about who wants to be the better opponent. I think that always works a lot more with Real sports rather than pro wrestling. I think that's definitely going to help out a lot to make the NBA a lot more entertaining instead of having it be, oh, hey, let's just team up together and become the super friends. No, that's not going to work, I feel like, in down the road. Because, I mean, you look at this draft. You had a once-in-a-lifetime player in Zion Williamson, John Morant, who's going to wind up being a franchise star. I feel like it can help the Memphis Grizzlies long-term. And then you've got... R.J. Barrett, who's in the Sucktown, USA of New York, New York with the New York Knicks. That is not where I want to be if I am Zion, if I am R.J. Barrett. I'm so glad that they got the number three pick. Perfect hashtag karma for them because I feel like, and you know, we, we've talked about it. 
6% chance the Pelicans had of securing the number one pick. I think they had like a 8% chance or something along those lines of getting the getting into the top four. They defied the odds and then some with what they did, and it was nothing short of impressive. And I absolutely enjoyed what I saw from what the Pelicans have done in the last week. Of course, everybody's talking about what's going on, what happened with Anthony Davis. That trade needed to happen. And I'll tell you what, because of the fact that I feel like the New Orleans Pelicans had a issue on their hands and they wanted to get rid of it. They wanted to finish this off and move on from a guy that I feel like has been not necessarily a cancer, but has just been a pain in the backside. And he finally said, you know what? We are officially done with you. We are moving on from you. We're moving on. We're going to succeed without you. We're getting a star player in Anthony Davis. We're going to do some big things. But if you don't want to be part of the party, then we will let you go. We will move on without you. And if that that happens, that is amazing. It's great to hear David Griffin right from the jump street. He talked about it about being all in or all out back when he was introduced. You hear me right? Back when he was introduced, he was introduced, and he said it simply, either you're all in or you're all out. I feel like that's what everybody is talking about, is what's going on with the future of the New Orleans Pelicans, is to say, hey, we got to have David Griffin. we got to hire a guy that is pretty much all in, and wants to get things done. And that's definitely kind of what we're talking about. And here's actually the soundbite all the way back at David Griffin's introductory press conference earlier this year, about like a month or so ago. I have spoken about Anthony. And I think we're both excited about what we could potentially build here. I have plans to sit down with them both. But once again, like with Alvin, the only reason history matters is that you can have a very frank, very candid conversation. Rich Paul and I were part of succeeding in the manner that they can understand and they will understand when I say this. You are either all the way in or you are all the way out. And there is no in-between. When the measure of success in your franchise is going to be championships and generational excellence, this is not something that we negotiate about. This is not something we make allowances for. This is something that you live every day of your life. And I have every reason to believe Anthony will want to do that. And, well, look like that faith in Anthony Davis doing the right thing didn't necessarily work out. But guess what it did do? It gave you an opportunity to finally get rid of a guy that didn't want to be there. It's a lot like when you're, when you're in a business. You want to have people who want to be there, who are all in on being the best that they can be every single day, day in and day out. And if you don't have a guy that's willing to buy in to that mentality and be all in, they might as well just be out the door. They're not going to wind up buying into that culture that you're wanting to build. And I feel like David Griffin is building a culture of winning and everybody is buying into it that is there because they know they can win. Without Anthony Davis, now that they've got a guy like a Zion Williamson, 
like Alonzo Ball, like a Brandon Ingram, like a, you know, you got, like I said, yeah, Brandon Ingram, you've got Alonzo Ball, Josh Hart, maybe to a lesser extent. He could probably be an added depth guy, Drew Holiday. And Jackson Haynes, Julio Locafor, who had a breakout year. Maybe even Julius Randle, if you can somehow manage to get him back. Because, again, you've got 31, potentially $35 million in cap space. That is absolutely huge whenever we're talking about what's going on with the New Orleans Pelicans. This is huge, and I can't wait to see what happens with this franchise going forward. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with a whole lot more, 1130 We've got J.J. from the Bronx talking some New York Yankees, part of Bronx Pinstripes, also host of the George's Box podcast right here on 103.7 Game. We'll have him hop on and talk about it. As he put it, he'll be on in a place in Louisiana that isn't New Orleans. Trust me, there's a lot more places than just New Orleans in Louisiana, my good friend. we got more coming up next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Every time C.D. takes the mic is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now let's get back to Under the Dome with C.D. on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com, live from the 237 Roof Studios. I got just a little time to kind of deviate from the norm, and I got to say, this is just ridiculous what's going on with Tampa Bay right now. Tampa Bay Rays, what are you doing? This is something I talked about on Thursday's show, and I just feel like diving a little bit longer form into it. All right, so the Tampa Bay Rays are probably out the door after becoming the biggest laughing stock in the MLB. Without a doubt, I think without question, this is the these are the biggest jamokes imaginable. Just think about everything that's happened with Tampa Bay Rays and now the potential of them moving to Montreal and spending splitting time in Montreal, Quebec, Canada during the fall. Once you want to, things start cooling off a little bit more as opposed to spending your entire season in Tampa Bay when you have a dome. I'd, I'd get it if it was like you're playing in Tampa Bay without a dome and you've got to worry about, you know, brave the elements. Here's the thing. I want to see teams succeed in the MLB. I want to see teams have a long-standing like success, but this ain't happening. The Tampa Bay Rays are likely out the door because they want to try and split time. I think just you know what, just move to Canada and get rid of that suck hole that is Tropicana Field. And if you've never been there, I've been there. I thought it was okay, but upon kind of like once I step away from the rose color glasses because I was sitting about twenty rows away, twenty rows behind home plate. That place is an absolute dump. It is probably one of the worst stadiums I have ever been in. I might have been a couple baseball stadiums, but I feel like this one is at the top of the rankings in terms of dumps. 
It is just absolutely awful. I feel like it is. it just needs to go away forever. And you know what? If, if that needs to happen, you just have Montreal, Quebec, Canada be the home of the Montreal X-Rays. I, I don't know what you would call them. But it's time to make the decision to get rid of the Tampa Bay Rays out of Tampa slash St. Petersburg because they need to just stop having Tropicana Field exist. The lease actually runs out through 2027 and would have to sign off on this split schedule. And according to Mayor Rich Kreisman, he said that he has no intention of bringing this latest idea to our city council to consider. In fact, he believes this is getting a bit, a bit silly, as he put it. And I have to agree, it is just absolutely ridiculous. This is even an idea. This is even a suggestion. This is something that even the MLB allowed to have this kind of suggestion. Because, like, put in perspective here. Imagine if, let's say, the Houston Astros wanted to spend the first half of their season, the spring, not in Houston, in, let's just... Let's throw a dart in the dark, and let's say, like, Boise, Idaho. They want to spend time in Boise, Idaho in the spring for one reason or another. That'd be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Or better yet, let's 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 flip it over. Let's say the Houston Astros want to go from playing in the Palatial Minute Maid Park for, like, a bunch of – for a handful of games in the spring. And in the summer – or late summer, early fall, they'll go on down to Hoover, Alabama to play where the SEC tournament is played, to play over there, or in Starkville, Mississippi. This is not throwing shade at Starkville, Mississippi, especially the new dude. It is resplendent. But my point has to point is this. Why are teams wanting to move and split time? Why would that be a thing? Because, for one, that shows that you just don't have loyalty towards the fan base if you're a fan, if you're a franchise. Imagine if the New Orleans Pelicans split time between New Orleans and Oklahoma City and you didn't have anything kind of causing that situation where you can talk about the Hurricane Katrina situation back in 2005 and how that cost the Pelicans an entire season from being able to play in New Orleans. That's a different situation. But they're doing this just to do it whenever they could just be like, you know what, propose to move to Montreal, Canada. Give Montreal what they want because guess what? You'd have a much bigger fan base if you're the if you're the Tampa Bay Rays owners. You'd probably get a lot more money from the Montreal crowd who wants a team because they haven't had a team since 2005 when they were ripped from them and moved to Washington D.C. to become the Washington Nationals. I would love, I would love to see a. Montreal franchise return, be it the Expos 2.0 or the X-Rays or the or the Tampa Bay or the Montreal A's. I, I don't know. I'm saying A as an E-H, little Canadian joke there. But I would love to see this happen, to be able to have Montreal back in the fold because I think they are something that deserves it. And you can about imagine how they, Canada's the hot thing right now. Think about it. We just recently had the NBA champions be from Canada, the Toronto Raptors. I feel like Canada, it's definitely a hot commodity, so why not go all in on it? I would love to see that happen. And will it? I don't know. It's going to be intriguing. But I'm not necessarily all in 
on saying 100% that this is going to be what happens. Because, of course, you got to they've got to play at that least. This is probably until, not until 2030 they can get something in place and be able to fully move in to their new digs in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and become the X-rays, the Expos, the Exposés. I I don't know. The, Twitter has had fun with this over the last like 48 to 72 hours, but it is just it's got on the nerves. As a fan of baseball, and trust me, I'll say this: I went to see the Rays during their run in the world, but like while they were making their run for the World Series that that year. Wound up catching them during the summer, whenever they were starting to kind of make waves, whenever they were intriguing team to kind of watch. And they wound up surprising a lot of people that year. They weren't supposed to be there. It was Carlos Pena. You had Evan Longoria. You had a lot of great talent all the way around. And it's just things wound up going the wrong way really quickly. So hopefully they can wind up getting things back in order in the not-too-distant future because I want to see this team succeed. we go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more. Right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037Game and 1037Game.com. JJ from the Bronx talking Yanks next. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the end. But Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Now, here's Peacock's 1-0. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left center field. It is high. Motors far. It is gone. That man, Sanchez, has done it again. The Sanchino, a two-run wallop to left center field. Oh, that Gary is scary. He hits a two-run home run, and the Yankees take a two-nothing lead. What a performance from the from the New York Yankees last night with a four-to-one win over the Houston Astros. Astros in the middle of a six-game skid, the longest they've had since 2015, and to kind of get a different perspective of things. To look at the New York Yankees and what they've been able to do, let's go out to the Arco Equipment Hotline to talk to our guy from the George's Box Podcast and also, more importantly, part of Bronx Pinstripes, J.J. from the Bronx. What's going on, man? Not too much. Getting ready to head to the stadium in a little bit. Yeah, it looks to be a really fun series so far, especially if you're a Yankees fan. This team definitely live up to the Bronx Bomber name with six home runs in the last two games. That's without Aaron Judge being Aaron Judge. I mean, he just got back last night. When what was it? Zero for four last night. So it's definitely going to be. It's definitely more the Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez show. I think you know when when you look at this team and you look at the lineup uh, with what Gary's doing, with what Glaber's doing, with what you know Edwin and Tarnacion can do. It takes pressure off guys like Aaron Judge, who's really the face of the team. He's to a certain extent becoming the face of the league. Um, you know, when you think of, you know, superstars around the league and emerging stars. But Judge has only seen, you know, so many pitches this year. Yeah, he rehabbed with extended spring training, but extended spring training is like the injured worst of the worst. So now he got a couple games in AAA. He's getting back in the big leagues. Gets to see some big league pitching, some real game pitching. 
uh, and really his, while he ramps up, you know, the team's going to carry him. Talking right now with JJ from the Bronx, talking a little Houston Astros and New York Yankees. And we talk about, you talked about Encarnacion. He wound up getting traded to the team, I believe, last week. So, yeah, this guy performed at a very high level early on. Encarnacion definitely living up to some of the trade hype. Am I wrong there? Yeah, I mean, he's he's come out there. He's hit a couple home runs. He's had a, a couple other RBIs. I think most importantly, he's a, he's another veteran presence. We've been getting by this year with so many young guys. There was one game earlier this year where besides Brett Gardner and I believe James Paxton was pitching, it might have been Jay Happ, I don't remember which one, they were the only people in the whole lineup who hadn't been in the minor leagues the year before. So Encarnacion brings in not only the power bats, he doesn't strike out a lot, he's got a veteran presence, and he sees a lot of pitches, which when I think of, Classic Yankees winning teams, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s under Joe Torre, they saw a lot of pitches. And between Encarnacion and Hicks and some of that veteran presence and really fighting off pitches from Gardner, you've got three guys in that lineup who see a lot of pitches and, and don't really look to strike out a lot. And, you know, I think we got to talk about it, especially in this area. You've got a former LSU Tiger on the roster in D.J. LeMayhew, he signed during the offseason. He's definitely a guy you need to keep an eye on. What do you say about LeMahieu and what he's been able to do? He's the greatest baseball player of all time. I mean, I think when you're a Yankee fan and you see Regenzi DJ LeMahieu, you go, all right, well, you know, he's getting a little older. Yes, he's won a batting title. Yes, he won a gold glove last year. But where where does he fit into this team? And it's just a credit to Brian Cashman and the way he's built out this whole organization so that, We've got backups for backups for backups. And now DJ LeMayhew, who doesn't start on opening day, we have to find a way to get him in the lineup every day. He has a lot of versatility being able to play three infield spots. That's, a, that's amazing. Talk right now with JJ from the Bronx. A lot of love for DJ LeMayhew in New York City. The man, a California native, but also played a lot of, for LSU. Definitely was a solid player back then. It's great to see him be able to do that. For a team that's literally they're on a really different level now than maybe they were at the beginning of the season, really starting to make 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 headway in an AL East that feels like it's a little little tough to predict at this point. Well, I mean, I think if you want to predict the AL East, it's real simple. Just uh, fast forward past that. Probably around November third, the Yankees will be having a parade going down Broadway uh, in New York because when you look at this lineup from it being guys who can carry this team while we had so many injuries. And to a certain extent, we did have a little bit on our last road trip of a slump losing two games to the White Sox, you know, not, not beating teams that we should beat. But now we're back, we're healthy. For some of those guys, yes, the clock did strike midnight, the carriage is now a pumpkin. But when you look at this lineup and you've got D.J. LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, so on and so forth. And I didn't even mention the two guys who are leading the league in home runs, Gary Sanchez and Edwin Encarnacion. There's just so much versatility. It takes pressure off of the guys who you traditionally look to hit home runs. Judge can focus on driving the ball into the gap, and then the home runs will be found there. We've got to figure out a little bit with our rotation, but we've been getting by. We've got a lot of trade chips to really go out there and enhance our team. I don't think the Rays are... Anything we have to worry about, I mean, they're trying to figure out what country they play in. <laughs> and at the same time, the Red Sox, yes, they won last year. You've always got to be worried about a team that won last year, a team that has a lot of veterans. But 
they are, and we've seen it in their earlier struggles. David Price came straight out and said, you know, I'll get traded. JD will get traded. The Red Sox players in that clubhouse is so fragile. They're looking for an excuse to collapse on themselves. And maybe when we're in London next week and we internationally beat them and embarrass them on a global stage, that might do it. Talking now with JJ from the Bronx. I love how you put it. Tampa Bay trying to figure out what country they're in. <laughs> That's the best part of what's going on in the MLB. I talked about it in the last segment, but how much of a bleep show it is right now with Tampa Bay trying to move over to Montreal? Like, why not just like instead of splitting time, why not just try and start start the process of moving to Montreal after your after the lease is up? I mean, I think what the, the ownership's trying to do is because right now, you know, with them playing in St. Pete, they really want to be playing in Tampa. They want a new stadium there. And they're trying to gain leverage so Tampa will just build them a stadium. I think at a certain you just have to cut bait on this. So you have the, the chance to get out of Florida. Florida in baseball at the major league level does not work. And, yes, the ratings are somewhat good for Tampa but at the same time, they'll get tired of going to games, especially they're talking about building an outdoor stadium where it rains every day in Florida. You're just not going to draw people out there. Look to maybe revitalize Montreal. Look at somewhere like Nashville, you know, maybe even Las Vegas. I don't know what that would do with shifting the divisions, but there are other cities that are excited to have a team. And it just doesn't work in Florida. It's not working for Miami. I'm sure if Jeter could pull that team out of there, you know, he would, but you just the splitting the splitting time. That's just not going to work because no one wants to sign up to move their family internationally halfway through the season yeah. and worry about the nightmare of taxes. Oh, trust me, that's that's probably the least of their worries. It's just ridiculous to hear that's an actual thought process right now. But looking ahead to tonight's match or this afternoon's matchup, I should say, you've got Masahiro Tanaka on the bump for the Yankees. He's actually doing pretty good in the month of June, two and one. What can you say about what he's been able to do after kind of like very up and down start, a lot like the Yankees were? So Tanaka is a pitcher that, to a certain extent, you have no idea what you're going to get because he can come out and be dominant, great fastball, great splitter, and it's the Tanaka that we were promised. But you also may get a guy who can't get on top of his splitter. Maybe he can't locate the fastball. But he's going to go out there and grind, and he finds a way to get through games. He really almost reinvents himself every game if something's not working. Last game, he looked very sharp with the fastball, with the splitter, and he mixed in. It, it, they said it was only five curveballs. It felt like more, but it looked very sharp, and it kept hitters off balance. So I'd look for more of the same, especially right now. With the Astros lineup just kind of depleted with injuries, uh, what we're just looking to do is capitalize the way teams look to capitalize on us earlier in the season. And then on the other side, facing you know Wade Miley, he stinks. So with him just being not a good pitcher against the Yankees, I think he's six three three ERA against the uh, at Yankee Stadium and a five something in the high fives against the Yankees in his career. With this lineup. I, I might bring a glove and try to catch a home run that the Yankees hit today because there's gonna be several. I can about imagine this team is definitely teed off on the Astros pitching staff, which could wind up looming large if these two teams wind up facing off in the ALCS potentially. And you brought it up perfectly. They could very well be having a parade November 3rd after winning the World Series title when it's all said and done in New York City. I mean, and we do luck out. We don't have to face Cole this time through. We're going to see Verlander on uh, on Sunday, and he's always tough. But the way things are going, I mean, I'm – 
born and raised in the Bronx, when you see this lineup, when you see the energy around them, the excitement, it does feel like kind of those late 90s. Like, we faced you guys in uh, 2017 in the ALCS, and that was a great team, and that was exciting, but we didn't expect that. The whole year didn't go that way. It wasn't it, – we were really on borrowed time, but now it feels like we have the team – you know, for Yankee fans, it's the team of destiny. It's all these guys that we heard about for forever. Gary Sanchez, we signed him a decade ago. It got to a point where I didn't think he was real because we just heard his name but never saw him, saw him for so long. We've heard about Aaron Judge. We've heard about Torres. We've gone out there and made some other strategic moves while trading prospects, and Cashman's really built up this team. Uh, to be what was promised to us in, in going through these lean years the past couple of years. Talking now with J.J. from the Bronx. He's part of the George's Box podcast. And that's kind of where I want to end off here, a little bit of a lighter side. And I, I just got to ask this because I figure I'm, I'm almost certain I know the reference to this. So let me just make sure this is correct. Is this a reference to the infamous Susan Waldman call? Yeah, yeah. So our <laughs> intro song, the show comes out every Wednesday morning on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere you get podcasts. And we actually had, I took that clip. Uh, we had a uh, DJ uh, make us a song using it, kind of remix it. But when you think about, uh, you know, in Yankee land, everything, I mean, Bronx Pinstripes is the site. We have the Bronx Pinstripes podcast. There's so many Pinstripes this, Bronx that. We just said, let's go something totally different. Let's get a totally different name. We'll let the content speak for itself, not just the, you know, the name of it. And we just thought, you know, that Susan Waldman thing's the funniest thing that <laughs> ever is. happened at the Yankees. I mean, I was watching that game in college when it happened. I remember jumping over my couch. I was so excited that Roger Clemens was back. But it is the most ridiculous sound clip probably in the history of the Yankees because it, it was wrestling. I mean, who – brings a player out of retirement halfway through yeah. the season in the box and gives them a microphone to the whole stadium. Yeah, exactly. It's just ridiculous, the whole thing, but it wound up being quite, quite a memorable moment in, in not only Yankees history, but I feel like sports history as well. JJ, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, that was JJ from the Bronx. You can follow him on Twitter at JJ from the Bronx, all one word. And before we take that commercial break, I have to. I feel like it's just my civic duty as a person to drop this on you. Because, oh, man, just George's Box Podcast, I'm checking this out just to hear the remix. But also, for the great Yankees content, you can check that out as well. But I feel like it's my civic duty to play this sound clip that we're referencing right now. Roger Clemens is in George's Box and Roger Clemens is coming back. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Of all the dramatic things... Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen, Roger Clemens standing right in George Steinbrenner's box announcing he is back. Roger Clemens is a New York Yankee. Roger Clemens is in George's box. The... <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while, but the first time I heard that, it was amazing. So right when I saw George's Box podcast, I got to ask him if that's actually what he's referencing. He could be like just Roger Clemens is a standing in George's Box is I don't know why it's the entire thing is amazing, but I'm taking a quick commercial break. Listen to this a couple more times and then we'll be back to wrap up the show. Give you one more take 
about what I think the future of the Pelicans looks like and how great it's going to wind up being. Back with even more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. From the preps, I gave it a uh, a ten, a ten to the pros. And everywhere in between, let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, one zero three seven. The game. Wrapping up this wonderful Saturday morning right now, right here on 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. And I mentioned how i got plenty of new buttons to kind of mess with. I've got one more button that I want to push, and that is something that we do each and every day, each and every Saturday, I should say, right now, and that is the one final take of the day, the one final take technically of the week because we won't have any on-air content, local content, until Monday when RP3 and company gets back on the airwaves 6 to 9 a.m. exclusively on 103.7 The Game. Also on KXKW 32.1, and 11.33 HD if you have LUS Fiber. One day we'll be on Cox. Maybe once this Fox Sports regional deal happens, we'll end up being in a lot more homes. We shall see on that. But, of course, let's get to that one final take. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. And I gotta say, we start things off looking exclusively at the New Orleans Pelicans' David Griffin We Trust. That's how I'm starting this thing off. And David Griffin We Trust, largely because of the fact that he hasn't done anything wrong since becoming the general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans, just a few short, or executive vice president of basketball operations. We want to get real fancy with it. The man knows what he's doing. He's he's one of getting rid of some dead weight. The Solomon Hill trade is a prime example of him playing three-dimensional chess while everybody else is out there playing checkers. The guy is an absolute monster at being able to manage a team right now. In one week's time, right after we got off the air, I was saying he'd get rid of him probably closer to draft night because you don't know what the Pel- what the Knicks are going to wind up doing with the number three pick. They could easily screw it up. They didn't. But I'll tell you this. This is where I'm at with what the Pelicans did. You got rid of Anthony Davis. You fleeced the Los Angeles Lakers for a ton of draft picks. More importantly, you wound up getting a lot of talent. Lonzo Ball, that's a really good, he's a really decent player. Josh Hart, you know, if he could stop playing Fortnite, I'll, I'll stop playing Fortnite as much. I'll just say that. And then we've also got Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is a good player. I feel like you have these guys in a system that embraces that kind of fast pace. These young guys love to play fast. So why not utilize that to the greatest of your ability? I think that helps you out a lot in the next couple of months as we get closer to the regular season. Summer League is going to be interesting, especially with, obviously, Zion Williamson being the centerpiece of this franchise. 
as we heard, it is Drew Holiday's team, at least for now. We don't know what that could mean for the future, but I'm looking forward to it. The future is so bright, we got to wear shades when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans and what's going on with their franchise because you've got so much talent all around. I feel like you can't screw it up. Alvin Gentry got his option picked up, which is absolutely huge for the success of this franchise because guess what? There is stability with this team, at least at first glance. You've gotten a lot of guys in there that are going to be in there for the long term. Drew Holiday, obviously, be there for a while. Zion's going to be there, hopefully, for uh, the bulk of his career. I would at least hope so. Of course, things could wind up changing, but I feel like everything that's in place right here, right now, on June the 22nd, 2019, it's not necessarily your number one seed right away. No. You are a playoff team that could shock the system and upset the apple card, as I like to say, and do some really good things going forward. I am all the way up and looking forward to see what the New Orleans Pelicans do over the next couple of seasons, because I think this is going to be the start of something new, and eventually we see Zion Williams take control of this team and become the mega star that we know he can be because he is a generational talent and I feel like the Pelicans cannot screw this up because if you do you might be in the same position you were just a few months ago but that's about all the time we have here today with one last take under the dome with CD is pretty much in the books thanks again to David Grubb and JJ from the Bronx talking a little bit of New York Yankees Pelicans and a whole lot more. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. I am just all the way up for it. Tomorrow, I'm going to be watching uh, tonight, actually. I'm definitely looking forward to USA Trinidad Tobago. Then you got the College World Series final starting on Monday. The rest of the week is going to be just absolutely lit. I cannot wait for it. Hopefully, you can't as well. The next couple weeks are going to be even more fun because now, now that we've got the NBA draft in the books. We've got a lot of other things kind of wrapping up a nice little bow. I think it's time to really start putting the focus towards football. We're getting almost getting into June. It's time to start really spending some time and diving into the world of football. Not necessarily like head first and just completely like foregoing the rest of the MLB season, the All-Star break. No. What I'm telling you is we're going to focus a lot more on football and get you ready let you know what's coming up for the season and trust me i got some cool stuff brewing up in my mind that's usually a bad thing trust me it's gonna be a very good thing tons of great content coming up down the line like i said i'm out of here have a great rest of your saturday be back with you next saturday with another edition of under the dome with cd from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette.